This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're celebrating a pair of state championships for cross country. Plus, the men's golf team brought the CBB championship back to Lewiston. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The cross-country teams competed at the main state meet Saturday in Bangor, and both teams took home the state championship. Number 23 nationally ranked men's team won a third straight title, led by senior captain Eli Besh Dining, who placed second out of 115 runners in the field, with a career-best time of 24 minutes, 49.2 seconds. Senior captain Eli Besh Dining with us here on the Bobcast, talking some men's cross-country. First of all, as a team, Third straight state title for the men. So take us through uh, how that meet went up there at uh, in Bangor there this past Saturday. Yeah, it went super well. I think we were expecting a win because we've been pretty dominant at the main state meet for a while. And just looking at the trophy we brought home, we won freshman year, sophomore, or no, we won freshman year, then COVID won sophomore year, right. then we won last year, and we won this year. So it was to be expected, but uh, it's always nice to win the main state meet since uh, we have a traditional rivalry with Colby and Bowden. Yeah, certainly, and there are obviously other teams there as well, but that, those are the kind of focused, your NASCAC rivals, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think there were 14 teams total. Uh, yeah, but Bowden and Colby are the main teams that we were looking at. And then as a team, obviously, you got a lot of top five finishes. It wasn't just you. You got runner-up, mm-hmm. but there were a bunch of other runners. So tell us about this group that we're seeing this year and who's a kind of emerged kind of for the Bobcats. Yeah, we have a really deep team this year. I think it's one of the best teams in Bates history, or it could possibly if we perform, continue to perform well. Uh, yeah, we went two, three, four, five. It was me, then Ned Farrington, then Ryan Smith. Are the two other captains, then Victor Caring, mm-hmm. and I believe in 10th was Sam Cartsonis. So it, it was a great uh, top five, 18 points, pretty low. Uh, I know the other guys in that top five group were putting in an amazing amount of work this summer, and I'm really impressed with what they've done. And I really was not expecting to be where I was. I was just trying to hang on to them the first few miles. Well, for you personally, I mean, you had a big year, your rookie year here as a first year, right? Yeah. Then we had COVID hit. I feel like last year you battled a lot of injuries. I don't know, like, how have you been able to kind of get back to where you kind of uh, were uh, when you first started here, kind of, right? Yeah, I had a pretty good year freshman year. Uh, better than I was expecting then, too. Uh, and COVID, I was kind of just taking it casual. I was running just to have fun with it, but I wasn't putting in a crazy amount of training. And last year, I had pretty low iron. I think I had a ferritin level of 12 at the beginning of the season, where it should have been 30 to 60. And then I got sick close to the regionals and national meet, which uh, was truly unfortunate. But this year, I put in a lot of consistent mileage this summer. And I've just been really happy to be training with the team again, and it feels good t- to be here. What's it like being one of the captains? Uh, it's it's a pretty cool feeling. I was a captain in high school, but this is a bit different. Everyone on the team cares a lot about how the team does. 
And it's really nice having co-captains and Ned and Ryan because I think I'm more subdued than they are. Ryan is really great at giving motivational speeches, and so is Ned. Ned's really great about hammering home the importance of consistent training for everyone. And I feel like I'm more on the casual side. Like, all of this training is very important, and it's great to have goals as a team, but it's also good to keep having fun and training and not take yourself too seriously. So you got Connecticut College invitation on not this weekend, but the following weekend, followed mm-hmm. by NESCACs. How Con College, you know, I feel like that prepares you well in terms of for, for championship season, right, because you're facing a lot of uh, pretty good schools, right? True, yeah. A lot of the NESCACs will be there, mm-hmm. and teams that we won't face necessarily at our Eastern Regionals anymore will be there. Uh, I expect strong competition from MIT and... I'm not. I'm not sure the total NESCAC uh, count at that meet, but I know Middlebury will be there, and they're a strong team this year. Uh, and there should be a number of other teams that we won't compete with again, but will be very strong. And then uh, tell us about the new head coach, uh, Danny Feldman. What's he brought to the table, kind of? Yeah, I I love Danny Feldman. He's a great coach. Um, he is very committed to training, and he is very matter-of-fact about what needs to be done in order to accomplish your goals. At first, I think a number of people were unsure about the new punctuality policy, Uh, but it's actually been really great. I feel like in the past, a lot of people were less committed than they should have been and were not showing up to every practice or were consistently late. But now it seems like the whole team is very unified and showing up to practice on time, really committing their all when they're there. And Danny's great about training versus when you're injured or sick, giving adequate time to get back into it before getting in those workouts again. And I think he's really brought a new energy to the team that everyone appreciates. What's the functionality policy? What is that? Oh, just... uh, That if you're late to practice, you don't get to compete with everyone else. And I think it's pretty straightforward. We weren't necessarily used to that in the past. People have showed up at varying times. Uh, Normally people were pretty punctual, but uh, now with this new rule, everyone... We haven't had any problems since preseason. I think like one or two people showed up late then, but now every it's really easy to adapt to. You just treat it like get there five minutes earlier than you would normally plan on. Right, excellent. Yeah. So what are some goals the team has uh, kind of in your mind uh, for these next few meets coming up here? Uh, I think we're planning on giving everyone else a run for their money at con. I don't. I haven't discussed specific team goals yet with Coach or the other captains, but just keeping up our pack running and everyone sticking with the person they're used to running with and then finishing strong seems to be the case. And then at NESCACs and regionals, I think we want to be up there with the best of the best. Excellent. Well, any other thoughts you want to share about the main state meet and uh, the men defending their title here this past weekend? Uh, mostly just it's... 
it's been a great tradition that I'm really glad to have been a part of my last three years here, and I hope it continues into the future. We're a strong team, and this may not be the most important team uh, meet throughout the season, but it's really significant in like traditional standings and that traditional rivalry with Colby and Bowden. So it's nice to compete well with our friendly rivals. Yeah, I'm sure the alums love seeing you beat Colby and Bowden. Also. Sure, yeah. I know they do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eli Best Dining, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. The number 19 nationally ranked women's cross-country team won its sixth straight main state meet. And for the second straight year, All-American and senior captain Jill Richardson won the individual title with a career-best 5K time of 17 minutes, 48 seconds. And Jill Richardson is our female Bobcat of the week. Well, Jill, first of all, you told me that you'd never been to this course before. Back when we were talking about the Great Invitational. So take us through the course. I, Spectator-friendly, I understand. A lot of people watching probably. So how how'd the race go from your perspective? What did you learn about the course as you ran it? Yeah, it was pretty flat. Um, a lot of, like, just open fields. And it was quite similar to um, a disc golf course that we've been doing some workouts on. So that was nice. I felt like we could use some of our, you know, some of our skills that we've been learning there, use them there. Great, and then obviously you defended your individual state title and the team defended it as well. So what does that mean to you to be back-to-back individual state champ? So exciting, and, you know, just living in Maine, it's, like, fun, especially for me to be able to represent my state in that way. And, yeah, we were all super hyped about it. Yeah, for those who don't know, obviously you grew up right here in Auburn, Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you ran sort of for Edward Little, but kind of uh, take us through that experience again, you know, kind of there wasn't really a team for you to run with in high school, but you still made it work, right? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely interesting. Some years we we could uh, have a full women's team and sometimes not, so mm. um, it was always exciting when we could, but um, yeah, that was a great community and I'm, I'm very thankful that I had them. And now being a captain here, I mean, uh, what was the celebration like after the team, you know, saw that you, you defended the title right <laughs> yeah we were all just super happy and being able to get up there and bring our award back was awesome who are some of the other top runners kind of this year who have really you know impressed you from a leadership perspective in terms of what you've seen the team be able to do yeah I think um just some returners um I thought Frida had an awesome mm-hmm. race and um it's obviously exciting for the um Elizabeth our new our freshman she ran super well and um, yeah, I'm excited. Everyone did super, super well this past race. And this was a 5K, right? Yeah. So now you're going to move into the 6K part of the schedule. What do you, what do you prefer? <laughs> um, I was actually talking to some people about this, especially the freshmen, because I was like, I remember being kind of nervous my first year, you know, moving up to the 6K. But I love the 6K because it just like, you know, just that little extra bit to kind of plan it out and be able to move through the race how you want to is awesome. Terrific. And then, um, so the Connecticut College Invitational coming up, not this weekend, but the following weekend. Uh, you can be there last year. What's that race typically like? Yeah, that one is really fun, but it's kind of, it can be kind of intimidating because there's so many teams, a lot of good competitors. But um, I think it's kind of a, a great one earlier in the season to be able to, you know, get ready for those bigger meets. And um, it's also a very flat course, so getting ready for some fast times. Yeah, excellent. I mean, yeah, I was going to ask about that in terms of um, kind of being a measuring stick, right? Because you are facing teams you haven't seen yet. Yep, yep, yeah, and it's um, it's good just to be able to, like, switch it up, see some different schools. 
Terrific. And so I guess any other thoughts on the race this past weekend you wanted to mention in terms of, you know, the team's success? Yeah, I think that it just showed how strong we are as a team and we have some really good depth this year. And I think it's just setting us up well for the future meets. All right, female Bobcat of the Week, Jill Richardson, state champion again, both individually and as a team. Thanks so much. Thank you. In men's golf, the Bobcats hosted the CBB Championship at Martindale Country Club on Saturday. Bates emerged victorious against their rivals from Colby and Bowden taking home the program's fifth CBB championship in the last eight seasons. Junior Paul Detry led the way, tying for medalist honors by shooting a 76. Well, a fun Saturday at Martindale Country Club for the Bates men's golf team, CBB champions. Paul Detry with us here on the Bobcast. And Paul, first of all, what's that dynamic like going up against two other teams, kind of a small event sort of, but a big event because you get a big trophy for winning. Take us through kind of the environment of that day. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, thank you for, for having me and, and for choosing me to represent, you know, our championship-winning team. Um, I think the event's awesome. It, it creates really a, a fun atmosphere. You know, you get to watch events like the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup on TV, um, and it's super cool to participate in. Um, you know, it gives you an opportunity where you might not have a chance to win every week, but this week, you know, we have a chance to win, and we did, and... Um, to realize that and to play under that kind of pressure um, and to deliver under that kind of pressure is an awesome feeling uh, for myself and just for the team in general, you know. Um, everyone said it after it happened, but it just feels great to win, you know. I can't really put it in, in any other words. Just just feels good. And I saw, I think on Instagram, a post about oh, who's that making that final putt to wrap things up. I think I saw a post with everyone watching, right? Yeah, that was, uh, that was our captain, Patrick Berg. Okay. Um, Patty Pipes. He, uh, I honestly, you know, I gotta credit credit a lot of that victory to him. He's uh, he's such a good captain to us. Honestly, uh, the energy he brings to the lineup all the time, um, it's impossible not to feed off of that. Uh, he's got such a great approach to the game, and I think just just playing with him honestly over the last three years has, has made me a better player. Uh, I can't say enough about how much Pat means to the team um, as a player and, and as a captain and as a leader. Awesome. And then on Saturday, you tied for individual medalist honors, tied for the lowest round of the day there in Martindale. Any particularly memorable holes for you that day? Um, honestly, the, the most, I mean, I made a, made a great birdie on, on 17, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I, I hit it to, you know, three feet on the par three, which, you know, feels really good. It's, it's also nice to not stress too much over the birdie putt. It's nice to know I made a thousand three footers. So, you know, it's almost just a kick in at that point, but um, honestly, it was kind of just the, the ebb and flow of the round that was, that was really, you know, kind of hard to handle, but in the end was, was why it was so successful was just kind of not getting ahead of myself. You know, like you make a bogey sometimes, you make a few pars in a row. It's easy to think like, oh, I'm playing well, I can shoot 72. And it's easy to think I'm playing bad, I can shoot 85. So to kind of remove yourself from those two mindsets and just kind of you know, as, as our captain Patrick would say, you know, just hit the next shot because, you know, that's the most important one. So, yeah, it was just just really good to stay in that kind of mindset. But, yeah, I think if you look at the scorecard, the birdie on 17 definitely uh, definitely lifted me up after making a good par on 16 as well. Yeah, it sounds like we were close to having our second hole-in-one of the uh, year. Henry Hurlich had one uh, at Bowden, right? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I can't believe I wasn't playing in the group behind him. I would have been going crazy for him, but... Uh, Honestly, the, the ace was the farthest thing from my mind in that moment. Um, my parents were there. They were telling me I was on a great line. I thought it was going in. I was like, that was farthest thing from my mind. I was just trying to hit it somewhere on the putting green, you know. 
But, um, yeah, no, an ace would have been awesome. Second ace, first ever in competition would have been sweet. I can't believe uh, can't believe Henry's first hole-in-one was in competition. I mean, that's, like, that's out of control. You almost never see that. Yeah, you had one during practice then? Uh, yeah, I've had one um, three years ago, mm. uh, just in, like, a normal, regular round with my dad. So, oh. yeah, it was awesome. What course was that at? I was at Kibo Valley Golf Club in uh, Bar Harbor, Maine, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, nice. another shout-out to another Maine golf course, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, take us back when you were growing up. How did you first get involved with golf? What made the sport something you wanted to, you know, play? You know, it was really my dad that got me into golf. Um, He actually, he played a lot of golf um, earlier on in his life um, and kind of stopped playing. Um, He took me out one day and I I just loved it. I don't know. I can't even, can't even explain it. I loved it so much. I, I wanted to get lessons for my birthday. And, and honestly, to this day, I think if you ask my dad, he's only playing golf because because I'm playing golf, you know, he only came back because I loved it so much. So I definitely think it was pretty much my dad who got me into it and really fostered that love for the game for sure. Great. And when you were kind of moving along, you know, developing your game, when did you start to think I could possibly, you know, play this in college? And then what made Bates the place for you? Yeah, totally. Um, I actually got kind of a late start to my competitive golf career. Um, you know, it's really difficult to, to bring your game out in front of people. It took me a long time to feel good enough in my ability to, you know, play it at a level where I was, you know, playing for something to win. Um, but I think the person who was really super impactful for that kind of change uh, was my golf coach, um, Colin Swatton. He, um, he's such a great guy. I mean, he's an unbelievable golf coach, but beyond that, he's um, really become an unbelievable friend. Um, and so we've gone through kind of, you know, obviously the you know mechanics of the golf swing, you know, the technical training, but... I'd like to think that um, mentally and from a approach to the game standpoint, he's just made such a massive difference on how I approach the golf course, even last year to this year, you know. Um, and starting so late, it's, it's, it's kind of great to grow year by year and still see that progress. And he's definitely, you know, highlighted that, you know, your golf game's always evolving and you're always going to be getting better. So, yeah, definitely I'd credit him with a lot of that. Great. And then what made Bates kind of the place for you for college? Um, you know, first of all, I think I wanted a uh, – a small liberal arts school that had like a great sense of community within the student body, but a student body that was represented by so many different people, um, which was really great. Um, and I was re- recruited by Coach Henry Fall, um, and Henry was such a such a good coach and made made the Bates Golf Program you know such an appealing place to be. You know, he really said like you're going to have a lot of autonomy here, you're going to have a lot of choice in what goes on, and it's been really fun to be a part of that. You know. Um, you know, my class has five or six guys on the team. You know, we're represented really well. Um, and just to bond with, you know, those guys and to really create, a, you know, a team that's winning something, you know, winning the, winning the CBB and, you know, have, you know, higher aspirations than that. It's, it's been a really, you know, it's been really cool to be a part of that um, and to watch the team grow. Excellent. And then um, you got the trophy, I understand, in your dorm room right now or in your apartment perhaps. <laughs> yeah, the CBB trophy's been residing in my dorm the last, uh, the last two days and, what a great sight to wake up to. Shiny cup on your desk. It doesn't really get any better than that. Yeah, I was a little surprised. It's a, it's a big trophy. Like, it's, uh, no, it's a real deal. No, it's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing to laugh at. It's, yeah. it's a pretty sizable cup. It was, uh, no, it was unbelievable. It was so much fun to take the photos with the guys after it. Um, it's honestly like a, like a surreal experience, you know. Like, golf is such an individual game, and it's hard to win, you know, like, it's it's really hard to win golf tournaments and um, to win it as to win a team event like that. Um, see all the emotion pour out of the guys at the end of the day after you've worked so hard. It, 
you know, it's, it's priceless, you know, those moments to see all that hard work pay off. It really, it really feels good. And you guys have a few weeks, I think a couple, a week off perhaps, and you have the um, NEIGA tournament down at uh, the captain's course in Cape Cod. Have you been there before? No, no. Oh, you've never played there. Okay. I hear it's pretty windy. I don't know if you know. Oh, man. I, uh, (laughs) you know, I, uh, I think my dad nicknamed the tournament the Winter Classic, but, uh, (laughs) I, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, uh. I'd like to think Maine golf prepares you pretty good yeah. for the cold and the wind. So, you know, we'll see. How, how excited are you guys to host the NESCAC championships this spring? Because, obviously, Martindale, it's a big home course advantage because you're so familiar with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think um, especially Evan Glicos, you know, who yes. uh, you know, grew up playing that golf yep. course. He, um, I think there's a lot of excitement within the team. Um, I, think, uh, I think you saw it by just by how much, you know, ourselves and, and Bowden kind of, you know, even struggled, like even us, like it's tough, you know, the golf course isn't easy and it just, it offers a really great home course advantage, like you said. So I, I think everyone's excited to play it, play it in Nescax and hopefully the, uh, hopefully the other teams don't get too good of a look at it somehow, you know? <laughs> right, right. When you get Evan back with the, he's in abroad, right? So he's yeah. having him back in the spring will be good too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, uh, we're expecting to get Evan back and, and maybe Jerry Young too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, uh, the team looks looks good now, and maybe even better come springtime. Great. For you personally, I mean, you've been leading the way, basically, most of these tournaments in terms of low scores uh, for the team. What have you been working on most with your golf game, and what's been working the best for you, I guess, out there on the course? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I think just honestly it's been it's been a lot of change in, in the mental approach, I think. Um, I think it's easy to get fixated on on what the number says at the end of the day, and you know what numbers on the card that you sign. But I think um, I think you got to go through and, and break the round down, and you know figure out what you did well and what you can be happy with. Um, and I think going through like that rather than just looking at the number and being happy or sad, just you know changed how I evaluated my rounds. Um, so I definitely just think approach to the golf course really more than anything. Um, but honestly, it's it's easy to play well when you have such a great supportive team around you. I mean. I, I can't say enough about, about the guys and even, even the jump from last year to this year, you know, shooting 312 at Taconic the first day, um, getting, like, participation mm-hmm. from underclassmen with really low scores. I mean, that, that was something that we didn't have last year as much as a cohesive unit. So to see the whole team kind of, you know, blossom into, into a team that's really performing well um, and not just having, you know, one-off performances is, is really, really good to see. Great. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Congrats again on the CBB Championship. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. The men's soccer team got in the win column in NESCAC action Saturday with a 2-1 victory over Trinity. Sophomore Tiffe Agunloye got the Bobcats on the board, and senior captain Alex Forsavich scored the game-winning goal with a spectacular set piece from just outside the box. He delivered a shot into the top right corner of the net in the 85th minute, and Bates held on from there for the victory. And Alex Forsavich is our male Bobcat of the week. Well, Alec, first of all, take us through your goal. I saw the highlight clip. It was spectacular there off the kick uh, in the upper right corner of the net. Um, you know, they set up that wall there, but you were able to bend it there into the goal. Take us through kind of the process there. Yeah, so I uh, saw Kieran get fouled. He made a great play on the edge of the box, um, drew the free kick, and then obviously was pretty excited to have that opportunity with, I think, about five minutes left in the game. Um, went to grab the ball, set it up, and one of my teammates, actually, Sebastian Yakoviti, so I'm, I'm going to give him some credit for this goal. He told me to go to the uh, the far side and hit it to the upper right. Um, so I did just that and, and was fortunate enough to see it go in and then went and celebrated with the team, which was obviously extremely exciting. 
Um, but but definitely a pretty special moment. And, and again, Sebastian, thanks for uh, for telling me to go there. Nice. How much do you practice situations like that, you know, uh, throughout the week and everything? Yeah, so we don't do a ton of uh, set piece training. Or actually, we do do set piece training, but we don't do a ton of individual free kick or penalty kick training as a team. Um, but individually, I do kind of try and go out once a week and just work on that by myself. Um, so I've probably done that four or five times this year, just go out with a bag of balls by myself and work on free kicks because I did know if the opportunity came up in the game, I, I would be taking them. Great. I mean, and how about you versus Trinity? It seems like you have your best games against the Bantams through the years. What's it like? I mean, uh, you got them again, I guess, this week, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I I, uh, I saw that stat. I guess I have like half my career goals against Trinity. So I think I need to pick up my my non-Trinity performances. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I my freshman or sorry, my sophomore year, I, I think I got away with a foul and scored my first goal against first ever Bates goal against Trinity. So that kind of got it started. Um, and then just every every year since then, I've been super excited to play them, knowing that that was that was the first team I'd scored against um, last year. Obviously, had had a couple goals there, and then the game winner this year. So for whatever reason, um, when whenever Trinity rolls around, I get super excited and and I have been able to produce. And then for the team, the first NESCAC win of the year. So obviously an exciting moment there, breaking through. What does that mean to the team? You've had some close calls this season to finally get that first W in conference play. Yeah, I mean, I, I really do firmly believe that we're a lot stronger of a program than our, our record is representing right now. Um, and so I hope this can be be a turning point for us. Getting that first conference win is, is always difficult in the NESCAC where there's so many uh, excellent, excellent programs. And uh, yeah, like you said, this this was a really big win for us this weekend. Um, we now go next weekend into a double header against two of the best teams in the conference. Um, and so hopefully we can kind of carry some of the momentum we, we have from the win this weekend uh, and put together another another two good performances next weekend and take a few more points away from that. What are some points of emphasis, you know, as a captain on this team for you with some of your teammates, you know, maybe some of the younger guys and keeping their heads up and then, you know, you know, moving forward kind of, and also looking to add on to this momentum perhaps, right? Yeah. So I think one of the things um, that I've actually really just enjoyed about being a part of this team specifically is that even though we've lost those first four NASCAR games, the morale has stayed really high uh, and the team has continued to believe in themselves. And so I think that's been a huge reason why we were able to get the result this weekend. Um, and, and will also be a huge point of emphasis moving forward that we really are, are an excellent program. Uh, we have a lot of talent and the biggest piece that that we've been able to shift over the past couple of years is that cultural aspect. Um, and so now we're going into these two games. And I think what we're really emphasizing is um, can we put together two more strong NESCAC performances, which means intensity. It means not conceding set pieces. Um, it means attacking with tempo and fluidity uh, and then kind of some more of the, the smaller tactical pieces that we'll get into the day or two before the game. But um, it's really been been a good season for us in terms of, the cultural aspect and, and we really hope that starts to come through in the results moving forward yeah you mentioned some of the teams you've got coming up uh, this weekend on the road also right so hamilton right. and wesleyan uh top 15 programs and but you've battled some teams i mean you were up on Bowden and they were ranked uh, in recent polls and stuff like that so i mean you know you can play with anyone right yeah this this year in the nescac i think the disparity between the bottom of the league and the top of the league is as small as i've ever seen it um, every, like I said, every team in the NESCAC, I, I firmly believe is a top 50, top 60 program in, in the country for division three soccer. And so any team can be any team. Um, and I think we, we've seen that in the fact that we competed with Bowdoin, uh, extremely closely, probably should have won that game. And then they went on to beat the national champions the next weekend. 
Um, and so now we, we know that even though Hamilton has, has done extremely well in the conference this season, um, they're, they're a beatable team. And, and we, we truly believe that we can go into that game and, and we can take three points away from it. Um, and that's going to be the mindset we're preparing with this week. That's quite the road trip, though, going out to Clinton, New York. Uh, what, what are you yeah. know, like in the NESCAC from your perspective, especially the longer ones like that one? <laughs> yeah, ha- Hamilton's never too fun. Um, I think it's something, something like seven hours. Um, but I do think road trips are always a really good just team bonding experience. We haven't had a ton of them this year. We've, we've for whatever reason, our schedule is the first half of the season pretty much all home games, and, and now we're going to kind of take to the road for all of October. Um, so I'm excited to, to be in the hotels with the team. Um, to be on the bus rides with the team and just kind of continue to bond with, especially some of the younger guys who, who maybe haven't had as many of these experiences traveling to away games. Yeah, you look at the schedule. You have one home game left. It's October 15th against Tufts. That will be a home game, but all the other games on the road. Um, You know, I know you're a senior captain. I don't know how the eligibility plays out, but is this your final season or do you have another year of eligibility out there? Yeah, I'm going to start getting emotional, Aaron, if you, yeah. uh, if you bring that up again. Um. I know it's 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 definitely flown by super fast this year. Already playing my second to last game on Russell Field uh, this past weekend, and and then obviously the, the last game that you mentioned against Tufts. Um, this is most likely going to be my last year of soccer, so I've I've really tried to focus more obviously on on performing well and having a good season, but more also just on really enjoying being out there um, and taking every moment for for what it's worth. Uh, and I think the team environment and the team culture has made that really easy to do this year, where we have guys who just really like being a part of this team. Um, and, and that's been been probably the best part of my experience this season. And I, again, I do think it's a reason why moving forward, we're going to be able to get some results because we do have that belief and we do have that confidence. Um, and we're, we're kind of playing with, with joy when we go to practice and when we play in games. Uh, and that's not something that's, that's always been the case. So I've, I've really, that's just been really great this season. And what was it like to get the first NESCAC win for your interim head coach, uh, Noah Riskin, he's obviously won some games as a player here, uh, but first one as the interim head coach, right? Yeah, he came into the locker room after and he like started screaming and it was super exciting. Um, so I was really happy for him. He he fully deserves it. He's done an absolutely tremendous job this year. Um, I've just been so, so impressed with his ability. I think I mentioned in one of the in- earlier interviews I did, but just his ability to flip that switch from being an assistant coach and, and kind of being on more friendly terms and just being almost one of the boys, so to speak, to now being a head coach and kind of commanding respect from, from all the guys on the team. Um, and so I, I think there's going to be more to come for him. I think this is the first of many, uh, especially if he continues to, to pursue his head coaching career. Um, but it was, it was a really special moment to see him come into the locker room with the excitement afterwards and uh, just really good vibes for the team all around this weekend. Um, we hope we can, can keep that moving forward. Excellent. Alex Forsavich, our male Bobcat of the Week. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Of course, Aaron. Anytime. Thank you. The women's soccer team hosted number 22 nationally ranked Trinity on Saturday and battled the Bantams to a 1-1 draw. Junior Izzy Lucier scored a goal against the Bantams for the second straight season. Well, Izzy, I mean, you're facing a ranked Trinity team there um, on Saturday, forced a 1-1 draw, uh, quite the battle. Take us through kind of that match and how it went from your perspective. Well, we came out hot. Um, from the start, which is really nice. Usually we tend to be a second half team, but that's something we're working on is making sure the first 45 is just as strong as the second. So it was great to get points early, but then it's kind of an uphill battle to stay even or above um, on top of them in the score line side of things. Um, 
The second half, we came out a little defensive, um, which wasn't great, but for the, we survived the first 10 minutes, which was great. And then we kind of got our footing back um, in the middle of the second half, which was nice. But then an unfortunate, unfortunate counter goal or mm. counter ball was played, um, and then they were able to take it down the middle. And it was, a, it was a good goal on their part, but it was unfortunate with like three minutes left for them to score. I was going to say, because like, you know, on paper, like a 1-1 draw against a ranked team, that's really good, but you were very close to getting the victory. Right? Yeah, yeah, I thought we were going to walk away with the three points because that's yeah. what we did last year. We came out and stumped them. Um, they had like a double losing weekend last mm-hmm. um, year, so we were hoping to do the same thing this year. But we said after the game, it's good that we're disappointed in a draw against a 20, I think they're ranked 22nd in yeah. the country at the moment. So it was good of us, I guess, to be disappointed on drawing them because I think most people would have expected us to lose. And then take us through your goal because it uh, sounds like you took advantage of a little bit of chaos there around the net. Yeah, um, my teammate Cece had a great ball in the box. Um, and I think Addie went up for a header and she might have headed it down to the ground. And it was just perfectly there for me. I didn't really do any work, um, but I was able just to kill it into the back of the net, which was nice. Terrific. Well, take us back to, like, you know, growing up. When did you start really getting into soccer, like, competitively thinking I can play in college and stuff? Um, I played a lot of sports growing up. Yeah. I did. I, it was more of a I had to narrow things down as I got older. But my high school required you to play three sports. So in high school, I played soccer, basketball, and track. Um, but I always... I guess I was just the best at soccer. I liked soccer the most. My dad um, grew up playing soccer, and so that was always a big thing, was just being able to talk to him about soccer was just a big thing that kept me connected to it for a really long time. And then I think it was my sophomore year in high school, I had to decide, do I want to play in college? Do I not want to play in college? But the academic side of things was really, really important um, for me. So I went into it saying, I'll find a school that I like academically, and then if the soccer side fits into things, great. And Fortunately, there's the NESCAC, which is a perfect um, combination of both of those things. Yeah, what about Bates specifically within the NESCAC perhaps appealed most to you? Yeah, I toured Bates on a really, really ugly day, and <laughs> I, but it, I still liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, I think if I like the school enough on a really rainy, cold day, I must really like it on a nice fall day when the leaves are pretty. But it reminds me a lot of my high school. I went to a really small private school in Suffield, Connecticut, and it's was really small and so I was worried about coming to a bigger college but when I toured Bates they really harped on the community and how everyone knows each other and it's really easy to get into touch with professors and your coaches are a big part of your life and that really appeal- appealed to me. So high school in Connecticut, did you grow up in Connecticut also or no? I did. I oh, grew right. up in the middle of nowhere, Connecticut. <laughs> in, <laughs> in West Southfield, Connecticut which is the town where um, my high school was. Great, so small communities obviously appeal to you. Yes, yeah. yes, for sure. <laughs> Great. And then um, the team in general, like, what development have you seen kind of throughout the year? Um, you know, Because ter- obviously there's been improvement with the performances this past weekend. Yeah. Um, last year even we were losing out of conference games, and this year we've only lost one and we've won all the rest. And so I think it honestly comes down to the mental side of things of just believing that we do belong. Like a lot of the games last year, even if the scores didn't show it, were close. Even the first four games that we played this season – like they were two nothing on the scoreline, but they were two nothing till the very late in the game. We're in every match, and I think it just comes down to being like we shouldn't go into games being like, oh, we're gonna lose. And I think as the season, as we get more and more mature in the season, that has started to shift, which has helped us. And then what's head coach Joe Very like as a leader? He is a great coach. Um, he really cares about 
all of us. Like, I, I, anytime I'm stressed, I'm like, oh, well, I can go to Coach Joe. And we also have an addition of AJ, which is our assistant coach yeah. this year, which they work great together. Um, practices are, like, broken down, sometimes into positionally. He just knows what he's doing. <laughs> Terrific. And then what are some goals you have in your mind um, moving forward this year as we move through the NETSCAC season here? Um, obviously, I would love to score more goals. Um, I think I scored two last year, and so my goal, I guess, personally is to get more than that. But as a team, I think it's just to stay in it. It's hard to keep going when you're not getting the results that you want to see. But I think if we have short memory, like a goldfish, we'll be good. <laughs> Ted Lasso. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, have you always been a forward? I don't even know what I play now. Oh, okay, I guess <laughs> I guess I started this this season off as like a defensive mid and made okay. it to forward. It's I would say I'm most comfortable at forward, mm-hmm. but I can bounce around. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, any other thoughts you want to share about this past weekend and um, you know the season in general? We haven't got to talk about anything. We have a good weekend coming up, and I hope everyone tunes in. Yeah, on the road, right? Yes, road on trip. the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you at Hamilton and Wesleyan then? Or? Yes, we're at Hamilton and Wesleyan, which I think are two very winnable games for us, so hopefully we get the results. Sounds like a plan. Izzy Lucier, thanks so much. Thank you. It's time to catch up with our tennis teams. As promised, we look back on the women's tennis team's trip to the ITA Regional Championships, which saw the doubles team of Joanna Atwater and Allie Friedman advance to the quarterfinals. Friedman had success in singles as well, advancing to the round of 16. Well, first of all, ITAs, obviously, fall season, um, great competition, Joanna. How do you evaluate how the tournament went from your perspective? I think the tournament went really well. I think Ali and I had a very strong performance, especially in doubles. Um, we took down two strong teams, Middlebury and William and Wesleyan. Wesleyan, my bad. And um, we kind of just came in with a positive mindset to have fun and be aggressive, and it, it really worked. Yeah. So. Allie, how do you see it from your perspective? Yeah, I thought it was really great. Uh, Joanna and I never really played doubles together in the past um, uh, because my first year was COVID and then we all had different partners and everything was shuffled. But we came in this year and we had really good chemistry on the court and we just have a lot of fun together and trust each other. And I think it really was apparent on um, when we were at Williams. We just were having a great time and just destroying them so it was pretty cool. <laughs> well, Joanna how do you develop that chemistry with Allie having not played together really a lot before? I think it's because we have such a good friendship that also helped us on the court we communicate well and communication is really important in doubles especially when if someone needs to get a ball and you call it mine or yours I think just in general we had a great foundation of just being good friends so that definitely helped us to be good doubles partners. Great. And then overall, I mean, how would you say the team did there at IT? It seemed like a lot of pretty good performances, right? Yeah, I think we all did really well. We all grinded and sort of put it all out there on the court. It was um, the second or third week back to school, so yeah. it was pretty It was pretty quick coming. But um, I think overall that was probably the best performance that Bates women's tennis has had at ITAs, and I was just super proud of everyone. And then for you personally, also in singles, you did quite well. What was the rest time between doubles and singles? How did that kind of break down? 15 minutes (laughs) um it was definitely super quick um no time to like stretch or anything but it was really good because I was able to just like stay sort of fresh and we've been doing a lot of um, lifts with our team and a lot of practice and so fitness I felt like I was there and ready and just could reset and refresh and it was great having coach there and having my teammates there every time I got tired I just look over at them and feel like motivated and inspired and yeah I think personally um this was like one of the first tournaments where I was able to like 
get my nerves out of the way. Like I feel like coming in freshman year, I was a little nervous and then sophomore year, same thing. And then this year I was really able to play my game and sort of leave it all out there on the court. So I was pretty happy at my results. Excellent. And Joanna, I believe we still have a home match on the schedule this fall, right? For the women, tell us about that. Yeah, we have one home match left against Endicott, October 15th. And I think it'll be good for us. We're all gonna just go out there and have fun and get a good preview of what the spring should look like because for our freshmen it'll be our first team dual match so I think it's a good warm-up so they can see what the vibes are for uh, the spring. Yeah how does the fall kind of prepare you for the spring? I think it's like this season almost is like just a mini version of the spring season I feel like because it was a little rushed because we came back to school so late we kind of were weekend to weekend with matches so it felt more similar to the spring season last year than the fall season last year Um, but honestly I think it's just really exciting I think people are super excited just to grind together and leave it all out there on the court and have their safe space on the court and just leave everything else that's going on in their lives away and be there for their teammates and I think this fall has been the most promising year we've had and it's really exciting. And Joanna what's it like being one of the captains of this team? <laughs> oh it's it's been great it's really <laughs> exciting to you know finally lead and lead in the right direction and lead by example I think is my favorite part and just to inspire the rest of my teammates to work hard and fight for each other essentially. Great Joanna Atwater and Allie Freeman uh, great performance at ITS a couple weeks ago thanks for joining us on the Bobcast really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. The men's tennis team headed to ITAs this past weekend and turned in some strong performances. Junior Alex Gujarati teamed with Cam Kania advanced to the doubles quarterfinals, and Gujarati won a pair of matches in singles play, advancing to the round of 16. Alex Gujarati with us here on the Bobcast talking some men's tennis, and first of all, you had ITA regionals there at Bowdoin yep. uh, this past weekend. Uh, pretty good success for you in doubles and in singles. Take us through, first of all, your doubles matches with your partner uh, Cam Kania there. We ended up driving there on Friday, and Cam and I, uh, luckily we had a bye, which meant we didn't have to play super early, so we got to warm up with the team in the morning and then drive over to Bowdoin and watch them play, which was nice, get to cheer on our teammates and stuff like that. Um, And we ended up playing a team from Wesleyan, who was pretty good. They actually played two guys that I knew from the Amherst team, so that was a fun match to watch beforehand. Um, But we got to see a little bit of the strategy and sort of what we're going to do for that match, so... Our first match was indoors in this place called Maine Pines, and he and I played pretty well together. You know, we haven't been playing doubles for very long. Um, last year, I was playing with a different guy on the team named Matthew Danielson, who mm-hmm. was actually on the podcast right. not too long before. Um, so yeah, it was a new partner, but it was indoors. Both he and I played pretty well, just sort of trying to pick out the weaknesses in our opponents and, you know, just sort of play to our strengths in a way. Um, and that match went pretty well. We were playing super competitive. The energy was good. And we ended up winning that first round, which was really, which was really sick. Yeah, and you ended up getting all the way to the quarterfinals there. And your quarterfinal matchup was, I believe, against a team that eventually went all the way to the championship match. Yeah. And it was a battle, it looks like. I mean, it was it was tight all the way. Take us through the, the quarterfinal battle there. Yeah, so we ended up playing a team from Williams in the quarterfinals, mm-hmm. which, as we, I mean, as we all kind of know, Williams is pretty good in terms of sports. So both guys were really good, really good at sort of playing from the baseline and dictating and Cam and I started the, you know, the second match pretty strong, serving well, returning really well, not really giving them any time to sort of settle in and get comfortable. So we ended up, we ended up actually going up 5-2 in the first. It's an eight-game pro set, so we were right. up 5-2. We were playing really well, but the conditions were kind of tricky. It was kind of cold, a little bit windy. Um, 
And eventually those guys started settling in, and we ended up just sort of battling it from there on out and losing in the tiebreak. But it was a really good match. It was really close, and, you know, we had the whole team there watching us and supporting us. So it was a really cool experience. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's ITA regionals, but it just seems like you play a lot of NESCAC schools yeah. regardless, right? <laughs> yeah, there, I think there were a couple of schools, you know, that aren't part of the NESCAC. There was Roger Williams sure. that was there and the Coast Guard Academy. But besides that, it's usually all the same guys that we <laughs> see all the time. So we... We sort of get to know all the faces and get to know all the people there. And you got a lot of success in singles as well, right? Winning yeah. a couple matches there. Take us through your singles matches and you know how they compare. And also, like, timing with doubles, because talking to Matthew, at least at Middlebury, there wasn't much time sometimes between matches. How did it work at ITAs? Yeah, so in terms of singles, the way it works is the format's two out of three sets. Yeah. So if you end up getting a set each, then you split. And you only get 30 minutes between doubles and singles or an hour if you split sets in singles between that and your next match. So you really don't have that much time, which actually is kind of nice because when you're outside, at least I was inside for both of these matches, but when you're outside, it's cold. So you don't want to take too much time in between. Um, But my first match, I ended up playing a kid from Amherst named Ed Opie, a really good player, another kid that I kind of know. Um, Yeah, but I ended up up playing really well, just sort of being really aggressive and, you know, taking advantage of my – left-handedness, which is kind of foreign to a lot of tennis players, or at least annoying in a sense for, <laughs> for all the right-handed people out there. Right. Um, so I ended, up, I ended up winning that match 6-3, 6-3, which was a great match to watch um, and play as well. It was really competitive. And in the second round, I actually had a bit of an easier matchup, which was nice. I played a kid from um, Roger Williams University, and it was, the, it was the same deal where I was playing inside, and sort of that's my favorite place to play. And I was just sort of serving really well and, you know, trying to move that kid and take advantage of all the things that I, that I saw that he had as sort of we, as a weakness. Um, and, yeah, I mean, both matches were really good, and it was it was a great battle. And then I knew after I won that second match, I knew immediately who I was going to play, the same kid I played last year as well, Tristan Bradley. <laughs> and he ended up winning the whole flight, right? He ended up winning yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah he played – I ended up playing him in the, th- in the uh, third round. Right. Outside, which luckily, again, I had the whole team there to support me, which was really fun. Um, yeah, and he and I played last year indoors at in Merrill at home. Oh, okay, yeah. So he and I had a battle there and ended up winning in the third set tiebreak. Um, Who did, you or him? I won, yeah. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he and I had a little bit of a rivalry yeah, yeah, before, yeah. That, before that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was a great match too. But again, some of the conditions, like it being cold and it being windy, make it really difficult to play. And he ended up just sort of being a little bit more in it mentally than I was. Um coming out on top but you know he's a great player he's a great guy and you know I have a good friendship well I feel like there is a home court advantage right I mean he won the whole thing it was at Bowdoin yeah. you beat him last year at Bates I mean there's yeah. definitely a home court advantage for tennis which people might not normally think about that but I mean the surfaces are different right yeah definitely I mean being indoors in Merrill is definitely pretty different compared to outdoors on a tennis court yeah um and when you we were playing you know he had a full almost two sets of bleachers filled with Bowden, filled with Bowden fans who were all cheering him on, and we had a couple guys on my team cheering me on. So he definitely had the home advantage this time. But, you know, next time we match up, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, how did the team feel kind of overall about how the weekend went? It seems like a lot of people had some pretty good performances. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the biggest thing is when we look at how we did last year compared to this year. Mm-hmm. Last year, you know, a couple of us won maybe a round or maybe two rounds. Right. But this year, a lot of guys came out pretty strong, you know, winning a round or two, and as well as in doubles. I mean, our whole team is trending upwards and it's going really well. And, you know, of course, you everyone wants to win the whole tournament, but you have to be realistic and realize that every school is really good. You know, every player is really good. No one here is going to give you an easy match, but, you know, 
our whole team battled, and a lot of us came out on top, and it was a great weekend. Yeah, Nick Forrester had a good weekend at B Singles, right? He went. Yeah. To, he played mm-hmm. on Sunday, actually, right? Yeah. So he ended yeah. up. He played in the first round and ended up losing to a pretty good player, but then went really far in the back draw. So I was there. Um, I was there on Saturday and Sunday, you know, just to warm him up and cheer him on. Um, yeah, and he, he he had a great weekend too. He played a couple pretty good guys, and I mean. I think the biggest thing for our team is that we all have the potential to beat anyone. I mean, it, it's true. It's true for you know the guys up and down the lineup everywhere. Like we all have the potential. It's just sort of like who brings that intensity and that fire in that day. And he really brought it this whole weekend, and it showed because he went really, really far. Wallach Invitational this weekend. What are yes. you looking for about hosting this one? What am I looking forward to? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is that. The, when we have a crowd, it's just so much more fun to play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's great to be on a team. And that's one p- aspect of college that I appreciate so much because tennis is so much of an individual sport that finally being in college, we get a crowd and we have guys that are supporting us. And then we have all of the people sitting on the bleachers who are cheering for us. And just the energy is so different and it's so nice to play at home. And it'll be great to just to play the same guys because you get you form all these great friendships with them. And it's fun to also beat them at the same time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, and you, you touched on this that you're left-handed, and that will throw people off. Uh, when did you kind of start playing tennis? And also, when did you realize that? I mean, because some people don't. Uh, did you train yourself to be lefty? Or you're lefty in everything. Yeah, so I w- I'm I'm naturally left-handed for most sports. There are a uh-huh. couple things that I do right-handed, but yeah. besides that, everything else is left-handed. So, in terms of how you, I mean, being left-handed is kind of a double-edged sword mm-hmm. because you know normally in tennis you're hitting the ball sort of like cross-court all the time and for right-handed people, that means you're hitting cross-court to another person's forehand. But as a left-hand person, it's reversed so that their forehand goes to my backhand and my forehand goes to their backhand, which is helpful sometimes, but it can also be kind of difficult. But, you know, just trying to pay attention to the fact that I know I have a good serve and I can sort of, when I put spin on the ball, it's the reverse direction than a right-handed person will. So trying to use that and sort of playing people's backhands and being aggressive and coming to net are all things that I try to take advantage of being left-handed. Awesome. And when did you start playing? I started playing... I started playing pretty young, probably around the age. Well, I first picked up a racket when I was very young, but I wouldn't count that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I started playing probably around the age of eight for a couple of years, and I took time off and ended up switching to gymnastics for a while, and then deciding I didn't want to do that after watching a couple of my friends get pretty injured from doing that, yeah, and sort of being scared away from it in a sense, and. Also, the fact that I'm pretty sure gymnasts have to be on the shorter side. I ended up growing a bit too tall for that, but. Um, yeah, I ended up coming back to tennis probably in my early teens and sticking with it from then on out. So I was training in California with um, with my coach, and then eventually, you know, I ended up reaching out to Gass- to Coach Gassingay, and then he and I sort of started talking, and that's sort of how I came here. You're from Massachusetts, though, right? No, originally I'm from California. Oh, do you are you in Massachusetts now? Right, yeah, right now. I gotcha. Live in but you grew up in California. Yeah. Okay. 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 So how did Bates get on your radar, being from the West Coast? Yeah. Sure. I mean, I've. I've always been a big outdoors person. Growing up in California, I lived pretty close to nature, so I've always been a big hiker, outdoors kind of person. And in terms of college, I was looking at a decent amount of schools in California, but part of me kind of just wanted to branch out and try something different because I always figured I could go back to California. I didn't know that my parents were going to move (laughs) (laughs) as soon as I committed. Right, right. But, you know, that was my idea. I wanted to go go somewhere and get a different experience. You know, my, my mom has family on the West Coast, and my dad... My dad's originally from India, but when he came here, he was first in Pennsylvania as well. So they have connections to Pennsylvania. So I thought, well, I could always, you know, go to the East Coast, see what, I, see, you know, see how it is there. And if I like it, I could stay. Or if not, you know, I could always come back to California. Yeah. So I ended up just looking at different schools um, on the East Coast. And I thought, hey, well, Maine's an adventure. 
it seems it seems pretty different. You know, I haven't experienced much of seasons in California and stuff like that. So I just wanted to, I wanted to just branch out in a way. And you know, I know that I knew that NASCAR was a really competitive league, and the tennis is really good. And you know, it's some of the top D three tennis in the U S. Um, and you know, Bates is a great school, and I really really liked Coach Gassinger, and I really liked the program. And I thought, hey, I'm gonna try it. And how are you enjoying it so far? I'm loving it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> right now with the fall, it's so beautiful. And actually being able to compete, because your first year here was COVID year, right? Yeah, my first year was during COVID. Yeah. So how did you adjust to that? I mean, yeah, did, it was, did you adjust to that? <laughs> <laughs> right? it, it was definitely adjustment for all of us. Yeah. I mean, we all had to wear masks. I mean, fr- right. freshman year, everyone yeah. was wearing masks inside and outside all the time and during competition. And, you know, our team did a good job, you know, following the protocol and not... It was kind of tricky because not every school had the same. I mean, well, every school had the same protocol, but not every school followed it. And whether you like it or not, wearing a mask is an advantage if you're not wearing it properly. So a lot of ki- right, a lot of right, kids yeah. would compete and keep the mask sort of below their nose or even below their mouth sometimes. And our coach was very adamant about following the policy, like you should. Yeah. So a lot of us sort of had to get used to having the mask on your face that was all wet and sweaty. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but I mean, COVID COVID year was crazy. I'm just grateful that we even had the chance to compete and play a couple of schools, which was good. But at the same time, I guess it was kind of nice just to start my college tennis experience in a more relaxed way, mm. which is, which is, I guess, is one pro out of the whole COVID epidemic. And what's the team like this year? Because last year there were no seniors. Now you have a, a fair number of seniors. You're, you yourself as a junior. But what's this group like uh, this year? And I'm sure there's some high expectations coming into, you know, this fall tournament season, but also obviously for the spring as well. Yeah, I mean, well, compared to last year, I mean, everyone, everyone's always very competitive, but I sort of feel like last year we were looking at it like this is our year to build our team for next year because, you know, we had we had seniors at one point, I'm pretty sure, but I'm pretty sure that some of them transferred and some of them ended up not playing. Um, but this year is sort of we're just looking at it like this is our year. We have a bunch of seniors who are all really good. You know, we have a really solid lineup, and we're just sort of like, well, this is our time. We're going to make stuff happen. And I feel like ITAs is a good example of how close we are. It's like a very small margin to winning all of these matches that we're playing. No one's pulling us off the court. You know, no one's clearly better than our team. So now is our year to just do the best we can. and We'll see what happens. Excited for We got the Walk Invitational this weekend. Check it out. Alex Gujarati, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. The football team got off to a great start Saturday at Colby taking a 17-7 lead late into the second quarter. But the Mules caused five turnovers and rallied to defeat Bates 38-17. Head coach Matt Coyne takes a look back at the good and the bad from the third game of the year. First half seemed like that's the way you want Bobcat football to be, right? I mean, what are your thoughts on how the team was able to start that game? Yeah, it was something we focused on um, after last week when it felt like we didn't come out with the right urgency um, in the Tufts game. And, you know, we came out and... Did the right things in all three phases. Played some complimentary football. You know, was able to create some big plays by getting the ball to our receivers. Um, you know, and then uh, obviously the defense did a great job as well in the first half of, of forcing some, uh, you know, punts, three and outs, creating some turnovers, some pressure. You know, I thought that was something that we were lacking in the first two weeks that we made improvements on there. Um, and then obviously, you know, just trying to get the ball into the hands of of our receivers and our playmakers, um, which we did a good job of in the first half. And you can see what happens when they get their one-on-one opportunities and, and the ball in space. Yeah, you mentioned the defense. Silo's interception was pretty impressive. It was down on the, near the sideline there, diving grab, right? Yeah, and it was, uh, 
a concept that you know we worked on, um, and it was just his job. He did his job as that safety. Um, they tried to run a bubble wheel, you know, a little bit of a double move play that. You know, quite frankly, in the first two weeks, we might have given up just because, you know, we weren't as focused on what our jobs were, um, not Jaron in general, but just, you know, defensively as a whole. Um, but it was a great play, you know, obviously to be able to pick off their quarterback. You know, Hirsch is like a four-year player. Um, he's very experienced, and, you know, we were able to get to him a little bit in that game. Um, but, yeah, that was a great play by Jaron. So into the first half, or near the end, you're up 10. Um, Rez is trying to get some extra yards, right? I mean, that's that's like a tale of old time, right? You're trying to get those extra yards, and sometimes that ball comes out. I mean, it, that play, I don't want to call it a turning point necessarily because you still went into halftime with the lead, but what was the mentality kind of going into halftime after the first half ended not the way you wanted, right? I, you know, obviously, when you look back at it on the film, it was a big play in the moment. It wasn't such, but as you look at it, there was about four minutes, I want to say, left mm-hmm. in the first half, and we have the ball, and you know, it was a good, you know, productive play mm-hmm. that we were able to get. And, you know, unfortunately, like, that's that's part of the ball security. You can't have those turnovers. You know, you look at it, and even if we, you know, ideally go down the field and put some more points on the board, um, take time off the clock, and we go into halftime 20-7 to seven or 24-7, you know, that changes the complexion of the game. But also, you know, even if you don't score and you take another couple minutes off the clock and you punt it um, and, and being okay with that, now they have to drive the field. You know, short time and then 17 7, you know, is, is a different, you know, feeling coming out of halftime. But in the moment, it wasn't, you know, we're up three. You know, obviously it's not ideal, um, but, you know, we could have used just a, a little bit more conscious of the, of the ball security there and, and just, you know, for us leading into that second half. So at halftime, I was looking at the stats. I mean, Colton's numbers were excellent at halftime. Like he was complete almost all his passes, really efficient. Second half, did he, was he pressing? Did Kobe make adjustments? What's kind of your breakdown of that? Well, I mean, I think it was a bit of both. Obviously, you know, we made some adjustments. They made some adjustments. Um, but, you know, when you look at it, it's it's uh, it was really difficult to watch because, you know, we just put ourselves in terrible situations, you know, for our defense, to be quite honest. You know, they started, I think they started six or seven drives inside of our 50, and it's like, uh, they ran 52 total plays in the game, which is wild. And, uh, you know, when you look at the numbers, like, you know, 38 points on 280 right. total yards. Right. Like, that's crazy, you know, yeah. um, when you look at it. So, you know, the turnovers, I think it was a mix of, mix of both. It's just, you know, I think one of the things as you're you're going through the, the, the growing as a quarterback is sometimes it's okay to throw the ball away, yeah. too. Like, and that's something that um, – you know, you have to learn through experience, and that's what we talked about him with it is sometimes guys like, you know, the perfect play call isn't there every time. So sometimes it's okay to, to punt. It's okay to throw the ball out of bounds. Um, but the turnovers lead into momentum shifts, and again, as we talked about, our margins are thin. And in those situations, and I thought it was really good job by the defense after we threw that first pick to force a field goal. And, you know, and you, and you say the first half, but I say – you know, even into the end of the yeah. third quarter, 17-17, you know, we're going back and forth, and then it's just it's hard to sustain some of those turnovers, you know, and it, and it led to points. And then, um, you know, towards the end of the game there, it was, you know, once they scored the last touchdown, you know, obviously there was it was a little bleak there. You know, you had a, we had a few injuries, obviously. You know, Hom went down and a couple guys dinged up and, um, you know, just uh, didn't end the way we wanted it to. Yeah, it makes it tougher when he doesn't have, like, basically his number one target out there on the field, right? Yeah, um, but we have four good receivers, yeah. so it's not, you know, to say that, I mean, it's not as much of, 
I think that's the maturation as a quarterback, you know, and, and having played the position. I went through some of these experiences mm -hmm. myself, and it was, it's more like, uh, you know, you don't have to make a play into something it's not. Sometimes you set to take what they give you, and sometimes that's throwing the ball on the ground or throwing it out of bounds or taking the sack or mm -hmm. scrambling for some yards just to keep it um, going. So we just have to keep continuing to work with him and watching the film and, and understanding it so that he progresses um, because, you know, we played different last night or that Saturday night, yeah. you know, we played different. Um, the urgency was there, it was fun, the guys were flying around, you know, and that's that's sort of how this is growing, you know, and that's the change in the culture. And we talked about it um, on the last in the last interview of, of folks on the first 20 to 25 minutes of the game, and look what we did, you know, and, and so this is a team in Colby that beat Williams and was going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Trini, and I told the guys, like, look what you're capable of. Yeah. It's just you have to be consistent, you have to be so locked in. Um, you know, in order to make it a full 60 minutes. Yeah, you touched on this earlier, but the total yards, not very many, obviously, for Colby. I mean, 38 points. I mean, this is, like, one of the better defensive performances I've seen when the final score, they have 38 points, right? I mean, like, it's, the defense was really good, I thought. Yeah, the yeah. defense, you know, did a great job. They are prepared. We didn't give up any, um, you know, busted coverages. They completed right. a couple vertical balls, and, you know, one was, was very questionable on, mm -hmm. on what they did to our DB. So, you know, and... Uh, you know, when you watch the film, it's pretty evident, and that's a huge play in the game. We can't complain about it, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, we felt there was a bit of offensive pass interference there in Australia. And at a 17-17 game, yeah. that's a tough, tough play. Um, but, you know, they completed a couple of verticals where, you know, we're right in phase, yeah. and it's like they made a couple of plays, but... You know, even at the end of half, they took him like eight plays inside the 15-yard line to get in there, um, and, and we made him earn it. Uh, but the defense was locked in there, prepared. There wasn't as many. Still a few missed tackles, but that's going to naturally happen in a game. But we didn't give up the big plays that you saw in Tufts, where it was just busted coverages and blown assignments. Um, the communication, the alertness, the urgency, the, the preparation, the whole week of practice was much better. Um, and then you saw how it, it, it turned out on, on Saturday. But Colby's a really good team. Yeah. So now you're facing Amherst this week yes. at Amherst, a team desperate for a win. Um, it's going to be a battle down there. Amherst and Bates has been very close the last few years. Um, what, do you, what do you tell you guys this week in practice? How do you build on, you know, the positives that we saw this past weekend? Yeah, I think it's just it carries over. You know, we focus on the first 25 minutes really extensively, just coming out in the game and carrying that into the full 60. Um, I think it just stays true. It's like, guys, look how you prepared this last week and how you practiced and how engaged you were. Um, the, the the record doesn't matter right now. There's a there's a bigger purpose, and, and we're doing things a different way. And the the culture's increasing, the urgency, and the seniors have been doing a great job of of buying into that. And now it's, you know, we're going to a, a team that is also looking for their first win. Um, and, and you know, we're coming into it with a little bit more. Obviously, losing is not great, but we're building and we're getting better in a lot of areas. Um, so we just have to go in and lock in. And understand they're a very well-coached team. You know, Coach Mills is, you know, I have a lot of respect for him. You know, I've known him for a while. Our staff knows him, obviously, with a lot of guys coming from there. Um, they're always going to be well-coached, well-disciplined. Um, you know, they're trying to find some points, you know, as well right now, you know, obviously on the offense side. So, you know, I think it's going to be one of those gritty battled games where, you know, again, the turnovers, we got to eliminate them because that's going to lead to some points where, you know, uh, historically against Amherst, it's been hard to score a lot of points. Mm -hmm. um, they have a good defense. Um, so, you know, for us, it's just focusing on ourselves, continuing to get better and understanding that, you know, we get another great opportunity to go against a great team, you know, historically. And, and you know, I know they're struggling this year, but Amherst is always always a, a team that battles well, even in the Trinity game, you know, 20-3. to three, But 
you know, a pick six and a pick down to the four-yard line led to 14 points for Trinity. So they didn't really score a ton of points on them, you know. <laughs> so Amherst has experienced a few things Bates has kind of experienced. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's one of those things I think they're going through it too. Um, you know, I think, you know, they played three, you know, they went up to Hamilton and obviously, um, you know, Hamilton played hard uh, and, you know, caught them a little bit up there. Uh, but they played Middlebury and Trinity, two of the, two of the better teams in the conference. Um, as you're looking at it, and you know, good defenses and, um, good offenses as well, and, and they weren't, you know, games where they, you know, it, it was back and forth, just a few plays, and, you know, so um, we know the challenge ahead of us uh, in the same same aspect, but we got to figure out a way to, you know, produce some points, do what we did, you know, gain a lead, um, but there's a lot to build off of that game, Colby. Yeah. You know, it gave me a lot of optimism in our team because to come out after, a, a, you know, what I call flat performance against Tufts, honestly, you know, they responded and came out and competed in a hostile environment um, in a rivalry game, and you know, we just uh, made too many mistakes to deserve the win. All right, Coach, thanks so much. No problem. Thank you. In other Bates Athletics news this week, the field hockey team dropped a heartbreaker by a count of 3-2 in overtime to number 5 nationally ranked Trinity on Saturday. You can find complete recaps of every Bates Athletics event at GoBatesBobcats.com, and we'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of the Bates Bobcast. Bates, 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 Bates.